you guys. Peter is not really dying. Just to me laugh like I'm watching the show. <laughs> it's actually just a bad case of poison ivy. Here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. Welcome back for our continuing discussion of the Brady Bunch. Our generation's father knows best. Times two with a whiff of divorce and remarriage. But I think it's time we get some more good dirt from Michelle, and then we need to really think hard about the outsized impact this show had on our generation. So when you ask people what their favorite episodes are, there's a broad assumption of which one we were most, which one, I'm saying, which one we were most Mm -hmm. excited to see (laughs) pop up on some random Wednesday afternoon after school. And that is The Silver Platters. And we're going to talk about The Silver Platters in a minute. They get their own discussion. But right now we're going to talk about the non-silver platters episodes because everyone aged 40 to 60 has a favorite. And if they don't, they're lying. They're lying. This is another good Mm -hmm. party trick, just like we talked about last time. When you're stuck at a boring party with people you don't know, instead of asking, what do you do? Lame. Try, what was your favorite (laughs) Brady Bunch episode? Now you guys will be friends. And if they think that's a lame question, you don't want them for a friend Anyway, run That's away. That's right. Oh, my God. You don't That's want right. to be friends with them. They mm-hmm. won't even know what your references are. Do those people exist even? I know. We're going to discuss that <laughs> later. Okay. So we're each going to share just one of our favorites. Okay. We, today, okay. it's the one at the top. Today, it's okay. the one at the top. But if you ask us tomorrow, it might be different. Mm-hmm. It totally would be different if you asked me tomorrow. But today, yeah. mine is, and sorry, Carolyn, I always love episodes that were centered around Jan. But today, my episode that is ringing like most memorable and favorite to me is season three, episode 13. It's called The Not So Rose Colored Glasses. It aired on December 24th, 1971. So it's Merry Christmas Eve, I guess. Um, this is the one, you guys, where um, Jan needs glasses. <laughs> and look, because look they at my find glasses she, right now, you guys. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah they yeah. do look like Jan Brady's I'm wearing glasses. Jan Brady's glasses at this she, The way, if you remember, the way that they learn that she needs the glasses is because she takes someone else's bike home from the playground, and then her teacher <laughs> has to write a letter that's like, boy, Jan's falling behind. And then they call her in, and she's like, what's wrong, Mom? What's wrong, Dad? And they're like, Jan. We got a letter from your teacher after they've already, after she's already apologized for, oh, well, that bike looks like mine. Uh, and they're like, Jan, would you read this letter to us? And she's like, oh, sure. And she's like trying to read it, but she's stumbling. And Mike's just very serious. He's like, that's enough, Jan. Yeah. Jan, I think you might need glasses. And she goes, this is my favorite line from the episode. She goes, glasses? Wow. I'll look positively goofy. When Bernie McGuire sees me, he'll go bananas. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's so 70s. I just love it. Bananas. I know. I'll look positively goofy. When Bernie McGuire sees me, he'll go bananas. And then as we know, also in this episode, one of the B storylines or C storylines is Mike wants to surprise Carol. Carol's looking everywhere in the house for her anniversary gift. And Mike is this big roost going that he didn't get her anything, but he he secretly takes all the kids to get their portrait taken. And that's the one with a really scatterbrained and funny photographer. Um, You guys, he was actually, it was played by Gregory Gaylord, who um, was in Mission Impossible. I guess um, he was also in the Silver Platters episode called Amateur Night. Oh, but he's yes, the one. Right. He's the scatterbrained photographer who keeps going. Ready, set, film. I love him. Um, but then, as we know, Jan, because she wants to impress Bernie McGuire at the library, she doesn't wear her glasses. And as she comes back from the library, Greg's like sweeping the the garage out where the 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 covered portrait 
all ready for Carol is leaning against the wall. And you see Jan and she's squinting and she's kind of careening and the bike is kind of swerving. And then boom. And he's like, Jan, 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 look out. Oh no, I wrecked the portrait. So then they have to try to go get it um, retaken. And um, when they give it to the parents on the anniversary, they're, you know, Carol is just thrilled. And she's like, and Jan, you wore your glasses. And then Mike has to say, Jan, could you stay back a moment? And this is a big, you know, Mike Brady moment. And he's like, Jan, you like, you lied to us. Like, that's not the original portrait. She's like, oh, how did you know? Like, she's so, she's such a, you know, it's like this escapes her brain that he goes, because you're wearing your glasses and you didn't wear your glasses in the original. And she goes, oh, I didn't. Anyway, and then it's a whole gift of the Magi thing because he's like, well, you're going to have to be punished. I'm going to ground you for two weeks from your bike. And she's like, well, could you pick something else, Dad? Because you can't do that. Why? Because I sold my bike to pay for the portrait. That is one that I always think of. Oh, remember the one where Jan wrecked the portrait? Especially because she does careen into that portrait. It's just like, there's no stopping. Like, you didn't know you were in the garage? How? Yeah, she's like squinting. There's a wall. There's a wall there. There's a wall right in front of you. You didn't see the wall? Oh, Jan, Jan, Jan. Well, my, I don't want to say it's my favorite. I'm going to say it's my most memorable. I hope you guys will give give that to me. Because it is the, probably the episode I think about the most, that I remember the most, that pops into my head often. And it is the episode that was entitled Career Fever from season four. The plot line that I loved was actually the subplot line. So Career Fever happened to be the main plot line was when Mike was excited to find out that Greg wanted to be an architect. Greg had written an essay that he wanted to follow in his father's footsteps and become an architect. But he didn't really want to be an architect. When Greg sees how excited Mike is when he learns that Greg wants to be an architect, Greg can't tell him the truth. He doesn't want his dad to know. He doesn't want to disappoint him. So instead, he decides that he's going to create these awful drawings so that Mike will say, oh, Greg, I'm sorry, you can't be an architect. But in every good codependent relationship, we realize neither (laughs) of them wants to tell each other the truth and hurt their feelings. So that's one storyline. But... The reason I really loved this episode was because of the B plot line. This is where Jan, my favorite, and Peter decide they better choose their career path too because Greg knows what he wants to do. So Jan decides she wants to be a nurse and Peter decides he wants to be a doctor. And in order to get ready for this, they need to pour over medical textbooks and anatomy charts out on the patio. So they just sit at that patio table and Alice brings them lemonade because they're working really hard to learn all of this stuff. But guess what? Poor Peter. He reads in the medical textbook that some of the symptoms he's been experiencing are actually related to a deadly, fatal disease. It's awful. Do you remember what the disease was called, you guys? No. (gasps) Peter. Something fever. It was like something fever, maybe. Well, it was anacardiacea. He had anacardiacea. Once you find out you have this, you only have two weeks left to live. So he shows them the medical textbook, and they're reading through it. And guess what? There were two pages stuck together, you guys. Well, you've gone from page 95 to page 98. You got the symptom of one disease and the diagnosis of another. You mean I haven't got the fatal one? Well, I doubt that very much. Here, the fatal one 
can only be contracted through the bite of the bandicoot or hyena after having eaten the bark of certain trees in India and South Africa. Have you been to India or South Africa lately? Gee, then what have I got? Hmm, well, let's see. If you're suffering from Anacardiacea, that is the scientific name for poison ivy. Poison ivy? That's all it is. The spider is not really dying. Anacardiacea. Me laugh like I'm watching the show. <laughs> It's actually just a bad case of poison ivy. Oh. He is not dying. And let me tell you, the recovering hypochondriac that I am can so relate to this episode and the relief of knowing oh, you're not dying right. after Googling my symptoms of my headache and realizing, oh, no, I don't have some rare form of a brain tumor. Like, I just have a migraine. I know what that feeling is like, and I cannot begin to tell you of all the times that I've Googled my symptoms. Do I remember yeah. Peter and <laughs> right. Anacardiacea? Right. Is these moments are stuck with us. We can right. use Brady Bunch episodes to define so many moments oh, of our life. definitely. My question is, how did Mike and Carol not know he had poison ivy? Like, how had that not already been diagnosed, like, maybe the day before? When he's when he's itching, when he's itching, and they're like, oh, you, wait, you have poison ivy? When did you get poison ivy? But what's interesting is Anacardiacea, poison ivy, is not indigenous to California, where the show is set. So he really could not have had poison ivy. I guarantee you that Robert Reed had a fit about that fact. Uh, I and probably that. wrote mm-hmm. a long, scathing letter. And maybe even there's a line where Carol says, no. Peter, you have poison ivy. And maybe that was supposed to be Robert Re- Mike Brady's line. Yeah. And he's like, absolutely mm-hmm. not. I'm not saying it. And they gave it to Florence I'm going to go back and look because it's when they have the book open and then they're mm-hmm. like, I can see him. She's sitting on the couch. Like and that. He- yes. Yeah. Back in okay, and how afraid were you of getting poison ivy? And I lived in California. So here I was with a false fear of getting poison ivy, <laughs> not knowing that I couldn't even get poison ivy in California. According hmm. to my fact checkers, that is indeed the case. Hmm. So anyway, that was my most memorable episode because truly I think about that, I don't know, every few months, as I said, when I'm Googling my symptoms. a special relationship with WebMD. Indeed, mm-hmm. I do. The one that sticks with me um, happened on December 10th, 1971. So on December 10th, 1971, America learned who Marsha Brady's crush was oh. in the episode called Getting Davy Jones. And it is the most rerun episode ever of any TV show in the history of television. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yes, of any television episode of any show in history. It's the most rerun episode. There's a whole episode of pop-up video devoted to this one episode. It's not like Brady Bunch pop-up video. It's getting Davy Jones pop-up video. And you have to drink every time they say Davy Jones. Oh, my gosh. I can still picture his face in that episode. Of course you can. And Marsha's face. And Marsha's face. And the headphones. Seriously. Yes. The headphones with his hands on the headphones, you guys. Mm -hmm. Girl. Girl. (laughs) So as the president of Fillmore Junior High's Davy Jones fan club, Marsha recalls that she got a reply to a recent fan letter that she sent to Davy Jones in which he said, you know, if you ever need anything, just let me know. Which she interprets to mean, hey, let's get Davy Jones for our prom. (laughs) And she promises Davy Jones for their prom. Hmm. Okay. So he sings the song Girl, which we all know as Go. Girl. Right? Girl. Look what you've done to me. Girl. Look what you've done to me. Me and my whole. 
Mm. It's sort of like you. You take my yeah. breath away. It's the same right. category. Yeah, exactly. It's the same category. Oh. So, girl or go um, <laughs> flopped on the charts, but it became super and extra crush worthy when we all witnessed him sing it in this episode with his eyes raised up to the mic like that, as if in yes. adoration of someone. I don't know, maybe me. In his little boho-inspired embroidered shirt with the big long collar and the deep V with just a little bit of smooth chest. Oh, God, you guys. There's just something so sweet and innocent about this performance that will take you back to the first time you watched it. It gives you a very squishy feeling. You should go Google it now because you'll walk on clouds for the rest of the day after seeing Davy Jones put his little hands on the headphones and look up to the mic like he's in adoration. Yeah. So um, the song Go... Fun fact, the song Go was actually written by Norman Kimball and Charles Fox, the same guys who wrote, give us any chance, we'll take it, give us any rule, we'll really? break it. Seriously, we're going to totally make different styles, it seems like, though. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, and if you guys saw the Brady Bunch movie from 1995, Davy Jones reprised that role. He came back, bless his heart. He's so willing to make fun of himself, and I really respect him for that. And so they get Davy Jones to play the prom in 1994, 1995, and the students are totally unimpressed. They don't know who this guy is, but the teachers <laughs> rush the stage, and I just about wet myself. So funny. That's Bless so his great. heart. Well, I want to say I always think of that scene when I listen. So I've been listening to some Sean Cassidy, and if you remember, he sings a song called Morning Girl. Morning Girl. He's acting like he's British or something. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't yeah. even sound the same. And he sounds like he's trying to say the same girl you just said it, as Davy Jones. Like go. he's channeling Davy Jones in that. Um, go. It's like yeah. G-U-L-L. Go. go. Yeah. <laughs> and now a break for station identification. Hi, it's actually still us. And we have a quick to-do list for you. After you listen to this fun episode, or even right now, just push pause. We'd love for you to do three easy things. One, go to the podcast platform you listen on and click the follow button. If you listen on Apple, it's the three little dots on the very top right-hand corner, Mom. On Spotify, <laughs> you can't miss it. The follow button is right under our image. And if you're listening on Apple, click those stars, all five of them. It's very important, all five. Right. And find one friend who you know who would love our conversations on our social media pages and let them know their lives can be more complete and joyful if they follow us. And that's it. You're done. Thank you so much. We want to keep bringing you fun, nostalgic memories and knowing you enjoy what we are doing is our number one motivator. And now back to the show. Fun. Okay. So obviously choosing just one episode was very, very hard for us as it would be for you. So we collectively put together a top of mind PCPS top 10 list. This is a rapid fire thing. This is not a numerical rating system of any kind. And this is what we came up with for our top 10 in no particular order. That's very important. Mine that I insisted on putting on here um, is the Jesse James episode where Bobby has a crush on Jesse James. And I don't know why I like this episode. And not a single one of our followers mentioned this as one of their favorites. I've never heard of anybody else who likes this episode. <laughs> but it sticks with me for some really weird reason. So basically, Bobby thinks that um, Jesse James is a hero and he wants to be just like him when he grows up. And Carol um, and Mike are freaked out about this. So they rustle up a 1,000-year-old man 
who was one of Jesse James's victims, <laughs> to set him straight. He wasn't a hero to me. He wasn't? No. Jesse James killed my father. And do you guys remember last year I told you that I was going down a Brady Bunch rabbit hole? And I was like, what am I doing? Get me out. Get me out. This is where my rabbit hole began. Because that old man, that 1,000-year-old man, was the old man in every sitcom. If they needed an old man, they called this guy. Was he, he the was, old man in in um, in the Eight is Enough episode that kidnaps Nicholas? No, doesn't really don't kidnap you know? Nicholas. No. no. Who was that old man? That was though? a joke. That was the guy from, wasn't that the guy from the Waltons or something? Okay, excuse me. Oh, he's Zebulon that. Pike. Not Zebulon Pike. <laughs> No, his name is Will Gear. Will Gear, that guy from the Waltons. (laughs) He's Grandpa Walton, and I think I can picture that guy that you're talking about. Yeah, you you will for sure. All you have to do is Google "old man in Brady Bunch." That's it. (laughs) Google "old man in Brady Bunch," and this guy's picture pops up. He was also Gus the Fireman and Leave It to Beaver. He was yes, that's how I know him. Gus the Fireman. Yes. Yes, yes, Andy of Mayberry. And you guys, this is how old he is. He graduated from college in 1903. Oh, what? <laughs> yes, I'm totally serious. So he, yes. he really is a thousand-year-old man. Okay, the next, so that was, just, that was just the Jesse James episode. Number two, Jan wears the brown wig. Hold on, I'm going to interrupt because I have all these fun facts and I'll be really fast okay, about go, that okay. episode, but I'll be really, this was my rabbit hole. So okay. the woman, the girl who played Lucy Winters, that was who was having the birthday party that we were going to. Her name is Pamela yep. Ferndon because, you know, she just like looked like somebody I would know from the other shows. Well, let me tell you, voice of Lucy Van Pelt in several of the <gasps> Charlie no Brown episodes. Way. She is like a roll call of our 70s show. She was in Family Affair, My Three Sons, The Flying yeah. Nun, Mannix, Odd Couple, Marcus Welby, MD, The Paul Lynn Show, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, The Streets of San Francisco, Beretta, Chips, and guess what? Kristen, Apple's what? Way. She <gasps> was in Apple's Way. She had a main role in Lassie, and her name on that show, Lucy Baker. She was Lucy and oh. Charlie Brown. She's Lucy Winters. Mm-hmm. She's Lucy Baker. And oh, I'll leave it weird. at that. I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, so number three, we have Cindy is the fairy princess in the play and can only bring one parent. And does she bring her mommy or does she bring her a new daddy? Oh, the stress. Number four, when the kids build the house of cards to see who gets to use the stamps. Number five, who gets the groovy attic? Is it Greg's bedroom or is it Marsha's bedroom? And can we, hello, let's just put this in the category of Gen X goals. Who oh, yeah. did not want the Greg Brady attic to be their bedroom? That was amazing. Oh, yeah. So I am currently renovating or on the verge of renovating my attic because what was once an unfinished attic is now going to be my recording studio. And my millennial age designer was like, hey, what would you do? Like, how do you feel about making this like a groovy 1970s attic? I swear <laughs> to God. And I... And I said, like the Greg Brady attic? Like the Greg Brady attic? And she didn't know what I was talking about. Of course. So then I just, I dried my tears and I stopped crying. I just said, yes, please. But I feel like a fantasy is being achieved. Yes. Yeah. There's going to be a lava lamp in there somewhere, right? Oh, hell yeah. For sure. Okay, Okay, number six. The Three Musketeers with, who stars in that, Carolyn? That would be Ken Berry would star in that. My from the Kenny Shoe commercial. commercials. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Herbie? Wasn't he in Herbie? 
Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, um, our friend Frank Duvall actually wrote the music for the, some of the Herbie movies. Going back, Frank Duvall is who really? wrote our music for Brady Bunch. Yes, do, he did. Do, 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 you have Frank do, do, to thank do, do, for that. Do, do. Do, do, do. Sorry, I just had to. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to leave it hanging. Oh my God, it's Frank Duvall's in my head. Okay, number seven, Bobby's first kiss with Millicent, played by Michelle. Melissa Sue Anderson, Mary Ingalls. Yes, pre Mary Ingalls. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the Cindy's- one where Cindy goes around saying, I've got a secret. I've got a secret. And he kisses her and he sees fireworks and we learn about mono for the first time. The kissing disease. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. We learn about mono. Uh, Number eight, the Hawaii episodes. I love the Hawaii episodes. I did think Greg Brady was cool when he was on his surfboard. It's the only TV episode in history that gave birth to an onomatopoeia. Right? The tiki. Yes. Whenever something spooky happens, we 40 to 60-year-olds go, doodle-loo. <laughs> anytime. Anybody. Anytime. And yeah. we all know what yeah. that means. Okay, number nine. I, I do have to talk a little bit about number nine. I swear to God, I will try to make this brief. Number nine I put on here because it's the only episode that I actually laugh out loud. I think this is comedy gold. And that's when Greg steals the goat. When he gets the <laughs> mascot from the other high yeah. school. This is a comedic, a comedic triumph for Greg because he gets to do slapstick comedy because he's chasing a runaway goat. He's running after a goat. <laughs> and he has to hide the runaway goat from the PTA who are all gathered at his house to discuss the missing goat. And he gets to do extreme <laughs> facial expressions or when the PTA is coming down the hall as he wrangles the goat or when the PTA finds him in the closet with the goat or when he accidentally traps the PTA president in the bedroom with the goat. I swear to God, it's as funny as Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also fun. That's a fun one because you get to see kind of cool Greg be a little naughty. Like he makes a decision that's very yes. real for a kid his age. Yes. But it's also kind of like, oh, he's kind of breaking the rules. And being yeah. goofy. He's breaking yeah. the rules. He's being naughty. And he is l- looking stupid. He's making himself yeah. look stupid. And that's where I start to respect Greg Brady because he's not yeah, that's a thinking great he's so cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, and number 10, just to round this out, is Bobby in the Safety Patrol. So if you remember, Bobby in the Safety Patrol, he acts all hoity-toity and, you know, writes up all of his friends and has to learn some hard lessons. (laughs) But it's also the episode when he's walking home, there's a cat stuck in a tree. A a little girl's cat stuck in a tree. And he has to go up and he's wearing a suit this day, but he goes and climbs up this tree to get the cat down. But his suit got all dirty. So he doesn't want anyone to know that he got his suit dirty. So he goes home to wash the suit. That's when he pours in all the <laughs> detergent. Right. Oh. And that's the episode where he's swimming through all the bubbles in, in the, the laundry suds. room. Oh, yeah, I love that when Alice comes in and all yes. you like really see are yes. just his little hands sticking <laughs> yes. up through yes. the bubbles. And then Alice with her face all covered in bubbles. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's an iconic moment. Yes, I wanted is. that to happen at my house so badly. I wanted my laundry mm-hmm. room to fill up with bubbles. <sighs> Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you my Bobby Brady moment mm-hmm. was in 1988, probably. I had run out of dishwashing detergent for my dishwasher in my apartment. And oh, no. I thought, oh, I think you can use just the dish soap that like you use to oh, wash yeah. your dishes. Um, and why on earth do they market it differently? Like, you know, just do it and put it in. So I did. And I went out and I came home and there were suds. All yes. in the kitchen, like oh, oozing so out of the dishwasher. Oh my god, I'm so jealous. 
Yeah. So don't do that, anybody, which most people probably know that. But again, <laughs> Amelia Bedelia, it says dish soap. I have dishes. I need it soap. Says dish soap. Right. I need soap for my dishes. Dishes. Exactly. Okay, we need to talk about the silver platters because when you ask people what their favorite is, um, they're always going to say the silver platter. Think I'll go for a walk outside now. The summer sun's calling my name. I hear you now. I just can't stay inside all day. I gotta get out. Give me some of those rays. I have I have a theory about the silver platters. Um, and I think that the reason that this is the favorite for everybody is because this was our personal fantasy. This is the reason we do karaoke. We wanted to be them. We wanted to be the silver platters. That's my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have some I have some fun tidbits about the silver platter. So uh, Lloyd Schwartz, who Lloyd Schwartz is Sherwood Schwartz's son. He started out uh, when the Brady Bunch started. He was just the kids' dialogue coach which would, he would work with them on their dialogue. Now you should say your line this way, or this is a good way for you to say your line um, and help them learn their lines. But as the years went on and he had, he had much uh, more of a role in the show, um, he ended up becoming an executive producer. But um, he says that um, a lot of people will think the Brady Bunch is a song about a singing group of siblings. And he's, they're very quick to always say, no, 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 that's the Partridge family. We had 115 episodes and our kids only sang on maybe seven of them. But for some reason, a lot of people, because they remember the episode Amateur Hour with the Silver Plowders, they remember the Johnny Bravo episodes when um, Greg starts singing. So we love this episode so much that it almost colors how we think of this show. We think of the Brady kids as a singing group. Mm -hmm. Another reason we think of the Brady kids as a singing group is because between uh, seasons, gosh, I think it's seasons four and five. It could be three and four. Um, Someone can fact check that for me. But um, when they were on hiatus, uh, the Brady kids decided to take their singing group on the road. And um, Sherwood Schwartz and Lloyd Schwartz don't know if it was a parent's idea, an agent's idea, whatever. Regardless, Sherwood Schwartz and Lloyd Schwartz knew nothing of this. Now, they're going to play state fairs and the Atlantic City Boardwalk, and throngs of people are coming to see the Brady kids, which really Sherwood Schwartz could have put up a big fuss about because he owned that title. He owns this show. He's the creator. He he did not sign off on them going and making money, um, being the singing Brady kids, but again, classy move. He loved the kids so much and he respected them so much. He said, no, I'm not going to mess with it. They can do their little singing group if they want to do their little singing group. However, when they came back, um, whereas before when they would have to do a singing episode, it was just all kind of fun and games and they all just kind of mm-hmm. sang. After their summer tour, they would come back and they would all be like really working on their harmonies and like, oh, you know, yes. closing one ear <laughs> and really trying to nail it. And Lloyd Schwartz is like, no, 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 just be fun. Just sing. Just have fun. And they were like, no, we need to go practice. We need to get this right. Um, but having said all that, you guys, Christopher Knight was so tone deaf, so tone deaf that he would they would make him lip sync. Because he could not sing even the episode where he has his voice changes and he has to sing mm-hmm. when it's time to change. When it's time to change, then it's time to change. The notes he's supposed to be blundering terribly, he couldn't even blunder he them. He couldn't blunder. Well, um, the note he hits is a they they dub him out. It's like a producer who comes in with that because he's so horrible. Lloyd Short says, says um, Barry, Maureen, and Mike. Look inland, we're mm-hmm. all very musical. Cindy and E or Susan, who played Cindy mm-hmm. and Eve Plum, pretty good. But Chris Knight, just a total lost cause. Total lost and cause. And they're all pretty 
rhythmically challenged, except for yeah. Marsha and Greg. They kind of don't know. <laughs> That's another reason I can relate to to him and why I love him so much is I've been accused of being tone deaf. I might be a little rhythm- rhythmically challenged as well. So I think that's maybe another reason I I love him. This is another good party trick. If you could go into a party, watch what people do when you go, I'm going to keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on dancing all through the night. going to keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on doing it right. Right? You got to twist. You got to twist on your knees. And it's a good, that's actually a really good workout for your glutes if you it do is. that. Because you got to crouch down and do mm-hmm. that lunge, that lunge. When your legs are crossed like that. So you're in a really awkward position. Yeah. Can we get the blue and white silver platters outfits? I I'm would wear that now. How do we get those? How I would wear that I was today. trying to explain this episode. I was explaining this episode in detail to my 20-year-old yesterday. She was actually very um, captivated by the entire storyline of, of Amateur Hour. And I say, you know, so when they go and they audition, because, you know, the parents can't know. Big secret. And I said, they're just in their street clothes, but then they get on the show. When they show up to the show, they're in these bedazzled blue and white outfits. <laughs> And I can't remember, you guys help me, who, how do they get the costumes? Yeah. Did they order those up on Amazon or how did they do that? I thought the show <laughs> gave it to them or Did the something. show? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I uh, that's why I'm asking. I, that's I don't know. in my head. They had costumers? So it was like, it was royal blue, basically bell-bottom track pants. And then these it awesome must be, sweaters, white yes. sweaters with blue stripes. And they with the blue goes shoes. down the side. And oh, I remember when so Mike cool. and so because one of my favorite parts of that episode is, isn't um, Alice is just in like dusting the family room and the TV's on. Right. And Amateur Hour yes. comes on and she's like, oh, the kids, oh, oh, And she's like, oh, Mr. Brady, Mr. Brady, Mr. Brady, Mr. Brady, Mr. Yeah. Brady, more of the kids, the kids. And they all come in and and then Carol's watching it, like clapping on beat because <laughs> she's watching it. And then doesn't Carol actually say, and the costumes, like, where did they get those costumes oh, does or she? something? Okay, that would I feel help like she me because I always wondered, like, where did those appear yeah. from? Yeah, but watching watching Alice freak out when she sees the kids on the show. <laughs> and she's got a feather duster, a total yeah, feather of duster. Of yeah. course she does. It's her, like, third appendage. Yes. We asked our society members to share their favorite episodes. And once again, I did math to determine the top three Brady Bunch episodes according to you, the Pop Culture Preservation Society. And this was really interesting. In the number three spot, the Bradys go to Hawaii. In the number two spot is an episode called Fright Night, or what many people call Ghosts in the Attic. When the girls and the boys are trying to scare each other with shenanigans. Oh my gosh, did that come in at number two? Yes. And there's a whole there's a whole diatribe online. The internets do not like this episode because it's so oh. implausible and they're like, How did they get the ghost to dance outside the window? I mean Oh my god. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Also, how does that giant house have one bathroom for the kids? Correct. You know, so let's go there. Okay, are you ready for the number one favorite Brady Bunch episode of the PCPS? The most popular Brady Bunch episode, according to you, the Pop Culture Preservation Society, with almost double the number of votes of the nearest oh, competitor, wow. is... <laughs> Look what you've yeah. done to me. Yeah, Dave, getting Davy Jones. Mm-hmm. Thank you, girl, for making the morning brighter, girl. For making the nighttime nicer, girl. So out of all of those classic episodes we were just talking about, we got some countless one-liners, things that we can say today, decades later, at that dinner party that will make fellow Gen Xers chuckle and nod their heads in solidarity. These lines are almost universally known. 
not, and this is the part that interests me, not just on the basis of our interests or where we grew up or what kinds of TV shows you liked, but based solely on your age. You know these lines if you are born in a certain time period. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to explain what what it's from or who said it. No. No. We all know Mm -hmm. what it is. I love that feeling of when you're seen and you know exactly what someone else is saying and what Mm -hmm. they mean. And there's certainly one that people know the most all day long at school. All I hear is how great Marsha is at this or how wonderful Marsha did that. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, (laughs) Marsha. Oh, that would be my favorite character, Jan. Just (laughs) Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Just whiny, whiny, whiny. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha was almost single-handedly revived by Melanie Hetzel from Saturday Night Live because she had this recurring character of Jan Brady on Weekend Update. And now for a review of this year's best movies, here's Weekend Update correspondent Jan Brady. This year's best movie would have to be Leprechaun, the horrific tale of a mythical Irish creature's revenge against the humans who stole his gold. Leprechaun? What about Howard's End or or, or Unforgiven or Hoffa? Jan? You said this year, Kevin. This year! Leprechaun is the only movie to open this year, 1993. Therefore, it is the only movie eligible for the contest. This year, exact words, Kevin, exact words. And she was the one who did Marsha, Marsha, Marsha and revived (laughs) it for us all. I really believe that too, Mm -hmm. yeah. She's awesome. I love that line. And I also like when um, Peter says his classic, Pork shocks and apple shosh. I mean, that's swell. And of course, we didn't know he's pretending to be Humphrey Bogart. We don't know from Humphrey Bogart. Neither did Christopher Knight oh. and Brady, 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 the book. They didn't, he didn't know. And he's, he had such a bad like ear for music and for accents. He, they said, you need to say this like Humphrey Bogart because this is who you're. So they, they showed him video. They said, you didn't have like, you could just go rent movies and stuff like that. So I think they, I think they tried to talk like Humphrey Bogart to say, this is how you need to talk because right. They couldn't say, let's just watch this movie of Humphrey Bogart. So everybody was trying to get around Christopher Knight and say, this is how you need to say it. And they said, still take after take after take. This is like the best they got. They, he could not (laughs) nail it, could not do it because his ear was so bad. He was the problem child. He was the problem child. Now, this one, I don't know. I'll never wash this cheek again. And she goes like this. She puts her hand on her cheek. I'll never wash this cheek again. Right, right, right. Desi Arnaz yeah. Jr. Desi Arnaz Jr. kisses her. And I think people confuse that with Davy Jones sometimes, that Davy Jones kissed her. They do. I mean, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Those two episodes. No, he just took her to the prom. Yes. Oh, gosh. And then what about? Something suddenly came up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And she says that one over and over. And probably the most popular, which is from the very same episode where something suddenly came up, is... You guys, you guys, yeah, you got to You got to put the hands over the face. That was yeah. actually another fun fact that you learned in the book is it was a, um, a very soft football. Obviously, they're playing with a real football when they're tossing it back and forth. But when the football that hits her in the face, uh, they had to shave a football out of foam to make oh it look God. just like a football. And everybody kept trying to throw it at her like um, Barry kept trying to throw it at her. And it was just the aim was so bad. And so Lloyd Schwartz finally stepped in and in one take just nailed her right in the face with it. Jen, do you guys remember um, Doug Simpson? Of course, Doug was oh, yes, the guy course. she is wanted he, to yeah, go out with. Yeah, that's the guy in the Something yeah. Suddenly Came Up episode. Yes, and he is, Nicholas Hammond is his name in real in real life. Oh, and, he's also from, never mind, you say it. No, you can say it too. 
Isn't he also from where Kim Carruth is from? From Sound of Music? Yes. So he um, was really? Friedrich. He's Friedrich. God, you have to like put their little faces into these older, mm-hmm. these older characters. So I now I'm going to tell you guys how everything ended. Um, by season five, the kids were getting older. As we all know, cousin Oliver, who's played by Robbie Rist, suddenly appeared just like out of the blue. Uncle Mike and Carol, can I say something? Sure. Oh, sure you can. Go ahead. What is it? Well, I just wanted to say goodnight and thank you for letting me stay here with you guys. Oh, Oliver, we're so thrilled to have you here with us. We sure are. Uh, this is where Brady Bunch jumped the shark, most people believe. Um, Cousin Oliver was never accepted. He was pretty much a total interloper, according to <laughs> diehard Brady Bunch fans. Uh, the final six episodes of the series are spent integrating Cousin Oliver into the family and setting up to season six, which we never saw, where Greg would go to college. Uh, so hmm. you guys, didn't they always say Cousin Oliver, too? Was he ever just Oliver? Yes, like they did. Cousin they said Oliver. Cousin Oliver. Yeah, like he's yeah. from, you know, um, the Ozarks yeah. or something. Uh, And then just another nail in the coffin was that Robert Reed by this point was at his worst in the final episode, which Carolyn mentioned earlier in the final episode, which is the one where Bobby is selling hair tonic um, in the original script, people's hair is supposed to turn green, but Robert Reed insisted as he was, as he had done for five seasons, insisted this was false. He said that wouldn't happen. Mm. He wrote another long letter full of chemical analysis of the hair tonic. To the higher-ups at ABC um, and told Schwartz he would not do the episode. What's funny is that Sherwood Schwartz had had anticipated this and had actually already contacted Clairol and asked, could this possibly happen? And they said, actually, it probably could. Their hair would turn orange, not green. So that's why he went ahead and changed it to orange, told Robert Reed, I've checked with Clairol. We're going to make the change. Robert Reed still said, this is ridiculous. This is absurd. This is an absurd storyline. I'm not going to do the episode. Final episode of season five. Now, at this point, they don't know they're canceled. They Mm. think there's going to be a season six. So he says, I'm not going to do it. By this time, everyone is so fed up with Robert Reed. They said, fine. Um, Just don't do it. We're going to take you out. Schwartz rewrote the episode quickly, gave, um, took Florence and Anby Davis, most of his lines of dialogue, and um, started filming. Meanwhile, Robert Reed is in his trailer, just waiting for them to call him to set, oh thinking God, they'll never, thinking that. they'll never call my bluff. Oh my God. But they never did. So for the next few days of filming, he would just wander onto the set and he would stand in the eye line of the other actors and fold his arms and just watch. And Sherwood Schwartz had to ask him to leave. And uh, Robert Reed said, No, the Brady Bunch is my show. What? I'm staying here. And Schwartz tells him, No, you're being a distraction. And Robert Reed refused to leave, refused to move. The head of the studio got wind of what was going on over a couple of days. And he actually called Sherwood Schwartz and asked if he wanted to have security force Robert Reed off the set. But again, Schwartz, in another classy move, said no, because I don't want the kids to have to see that. I don't want the kids to have to see Robert Reed being forced off set. Uh, Finally, Robert Reed just left the set on his own. And, um, you know, unbeknownst to everyone, that ended up being the last Brady Bunch episode ever, and Mike Brady's not in it. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Did you know, like, we would watch these things in perpetuity. Did you ever perceive that episode to be the last one? Or was it just one in the lineup? Yeah, I never knew that was mm -mm, the last one. And you know what? No, and neither did they. Uh, By this time, Barry Diller was the new head of ABC, and he wasn't too fond of family shows. Plus, everybody on the Brady Bunch, all the contracts were expiring, and they needed to be renegotiated. 
the ratings were dropping, so things just didn't look good. So in the hiatus, while they're waiting to figure out, are we going to have a season six or not, um, to see if they would get picked up, Sherwood Schwartz and all the heads of ABC made a decision that if there was a season six, they would not go on with Robert Reed. They fired him. They called his manager. They fired Robert Reed. And you guys, as we all know, Brady Bunch ended up getting canceled after Mm -hmm. five seasons. But if there would have been a season six, we would have had a totally different actor playing Mike Brady. They weren't going to get rid of Mike Brady. They were going to kill him. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. They were not going to get rid of Mike Brady. A new actor. They were going to recast Mike Brady. Like Darren on Bewitched. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Especially after five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, they all just found out they were canceled. I think Sherwood and Lloyd were just at like an industry event, like um, a party or something. And someone was like, hey, sorry mm-hmm. about the news or whatever. And it was like, wait, what? So it was very sudden. I think they kind of maybe expected it a little bit, but they had hope for a season six. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was over. That's a good scoop, Michelle. That is. And can I just say so many shows now, for the most part, kind of know when they're going to be ending or maybe they call their own right. ending. And, and so you have some final episode that kind of brings closure to everything that's we didn't get that with the brady uh-uh. bunch no we uh-uh. didn't the story didn't get closure yeah Mm-mm. not at all the only thing you kind of see is at the beginning of that episode greg walks in with his cap and gown and alice and oh, carol yes. are so excited mm-hmm. they're yeah. so excited they want him to put it on that would have definitely been in the original script where they would have yeah. said mike come in and look at greg and sure. he would have been part of that scene for oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Because they're very excited to see Greg in his cap and gown. So no, I guess I guess they did have plans. They were going to integrate Oliver would have been mm-hmm. in more in more of season six um, because they needed sort of like when they brought in Ralph Macchio and and mm-hmm. Eight Is Enough. They needed to keep appealing to the younger audience. Right. So I'm actually pretty glad there wasn't a season six to be honest with you because with with Oliver and with a different Mike Brady, oh, I, I don't think so, I would have been on yeah. board with that. That would have been just very awkward. The whole mm-hmm. thing would have felt awkward. I mean, already Cousin Oliver was awkward. I actually really liked Cousin Oliver. He was a really cute kid, and he was really funny, and he had really good timing for a kid of that age. Mm-hmm. But the chemistry amongst the no. Brady kids and Cousin Oliver was zero. It just felt weird. It just felt yeah. weird. So then you add in an interloper, like a new right. Darren, Darren from Bewitched. I was going to say Dick York Sergeant. <laughs> I mean, it just, well, we works. wouldn't have been able to get over it. No. And can I also just say that I remember mostly watching this in reruns. And so, again, I would have, if you told me, oh, that episode where Greg's hair turns orange, I would never have said, oh, that was the final episode. Like, no. No, and I then know. For you guys, did did it go in order when it was in no. syndication? No. So, like, sometimes you'd sit down mm-hmm. and when the little faces came up in the beginning <laughs> and they'd be young and you'd be like, oh, it's when they're little again. And I preferred when they were older. I guess I could relate mm-hmm. to it more. And so I would always be bummed when I could tell it was the earlier, younger episodes. But they just be all mixed together. It felt completely random. That's why yeah, I'm yeah. sort of like a lottery sitting down on the couch every day after school because you had right. no idea what you were going to get. And there was no TV guide that told you which episode it was going to be. And there was no internet to find out what was coming. It was just a complete hodgepodge. And that's why when mm-hmm. the silver platters popped up, it was like Christmas. So I think we've proven that the Brady Bunch will never die. Whether you loved it or tolerated it, it played a huge role in your entire childhood, even if it was just on in the background. And I'm saying you, because this is just so understood amongst people our age. You don't even have to ask. Like if somebody said to you, did you like the Brady Bunch? That would be awkward and weird because, duh, 
I mean, whether you did or didn't, it just it just is. So we could seriously spend the entire season talking about the Brady Bunch. We could sing the songs. We could fire off quotes. We could debate characters. We could share favorite episodes. Honestly, it's a never-ending topic of conversation, and I'm sure we will revisit it. And we know that all of you feel the same. So thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll share our conversation with other friends who are part of this Brady Bunch generation. And we hope you'll join us next week when we'll be smooth sailing to the smooth grooves of our generation's smoothest musical genre, Yacht Rock. Listen to find out if your favorite song is Yacht or Not. (laughs) That's a lot of smooth. (laughs) And if you enjoy our conversations, we, and if you're still listening, (laughs) we... We hope you are following where you're listening, and we'd appreciate it so much if you'd take a minute to tell others about us, either by leaving a review where you listen, or go old school and share our podcast or social media by mouth. We will have a lot, a lot of fun things coming up in the next few months you will not want to miss, I promise you. So please make sure you are following us also on social media. Just search Pop Culture Preservation Society. In the meantime, let's all raise a glass. And toast to a great season three with the words of our good friends, Jack Tripper, Janet Wood, and Chrissy Snow. Two good times. Two happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. 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 Information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to me, the Crushologist, and Carolyn and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, I guess there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded at Modern Well, a woman-centered co-working space in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song